Chapter 5 of Conciliatory or Ironical Animadversions on the Controversies Agitated in Britain under the Unhappy Names of Antinomians and Neonomians by Herman Witsius. Translated by Thomas Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Whether the right to the eternal inheritance be applied to the elect at their first nativity or at their regeneration, and whether God imputes no more in point of guilt to an elect person when living in excessive lasciviousness than when he is perfected in the heavens. Concerning the application of the salvation purchased by Christ, the following things are controverted. 1. Whether the right to the eternal inheritance be applied to the elect at their first nativity, and the date of application is to be fixed at their natural generation, whereby they become men, not at their supernatural generation, whereby they become Christians. 2. Whether God imputes no more in point of guilt to the elect, even when living in all the excess of wickedness and lasciviousness, than when after they are truly sanctified, yea, also perfected, and received into heaven. 3. Whether the elect are united to Christ before faith. 4. Whether not only the fruits of Christ's righteousness, but also the righteousness itself, be imputed to them, so that by that imputation they become no less righteous and holy than Christ himself. And I trust that these controversies, however great they may seem at first sight, may be decided by the simple and plain declaration of the truth. As to the first, what if we conceive of the matter thus? After Christ satisfied divine justice, God also declared in general that he would never demand satisfaction from any of the elect in their own person, and so a right of immunity was purchased for all the elect at once. But that universal right of all the elect profiteth none in particular till it be applied unto them no application is made by election as such for it is an imminent act of god the proper effect of which is the certainty of the event it is the nature of all the divine decrees that by themselves they make no change in the subject but all the actual existence of the thing arises from the omnipotent execution of the decree the execution of the decree is the production of the thing decreed, which is effectuated by virtue of that eternal will whereby God commanded that the thing should exist in that moment of time, the eternal will then only going out into that act whereby the thing exists. Therefore, from election to grace and glory, it only follows that the person so elected is admitted at the appointed time to the participation of both. Before the fullness of the time destined for the execution come, the election of God makes no real change in the person elected, who before his regeneration, as well as all other mortals, is in a present evil world, in the kingdom and power of darkness, dead in trespasses and sins, alienated from the life of God, a child of wrath, even as others, condemned to bondage through fear of death, subject to the curse of the law, a stranger as to the promises of the covenants, without Christ, without God, without hope in the world, as the scripture everywhere speaks. And thus far, there is no actual difference between the elect and the reprobate, except, as was said, that by virtue of God's election, and Christ's satisfaction for the former, they are certainly to be delivered at the appointed time from that miserable state, while the latter, for whom salvation is neither appointed by God nor purchased by Christ, shall continue for ever in their deplorable condition. Now the execution of election may be considered two ways. First, in respect of certain external actions, which from the nature of the thing indeed have no certain connection with salvation, and therefore are exercised sometimes even upon the reprobates, yet by the appointment of God, 
they are directed as to this person in particular to promote the work of grace gradually in him for since god embraces the elect with a love of singular good will to issue at last in a love of complacency he grants them the means of salvation and causes them to hear the preaching of the gospel dissuasives from vice exhortations to the duties of virtue instruction concerning saving truths which being somehow perceived by their natural understanding they fix them in their memory to be profitable afterwards for sanctification there being added in the meantime some inward illumination of the mind and an exciting of the will to good although both are invanid and not yet saving but all this with the intention that in their time they may be effectually converted by these means since all these things proceed from the counsel of grace they are likewise justly referred to the execution of election and since they are the fruits of christ's merits they somehow belong to the application of purchased grace and are as it were some of his attempts who begins to claim to himself what is his own although they are nothing but some small beginnings of application whereby the elect are not yet engrafted into christ then there follows a more perfect execution of the election unto grace and a more solid application of the grace purchased by christ in that moment wherein the elect being effectually called are born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of god which liveth and abideth for ever the spirit of life cooperating are endued with a principle of new and spiritual life are actually united to christ and being rescued from the power of darkness are translated into the kingdom of god's dear son the order of this internal and truly saving application arising from its first beginning by many steps to perfect happiness in the adult of whom only we now speak is generally represented to us in this manner by the scriptures as soon as comes the hour of gracious visitation prefixed in the unchangeable purpose of god for every one of the elect all of a sudden into the elect person living under the administration of the gospel there is infused a principle of spiritual life by the application or influence of the spirit of christ mystically uniting the soul to himself the activity of which begins first to exert itself in the understanding illuminated with unusual light for as in the old creation so also in this second the beginning is with light for god who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ two corinthians four six as soon as the elect person opens these enlightened eyes of his mind he begins to discern in general the truth of evangelic doctrines but at the same time reflecting more particularly upon himself he finds that great is the filthiness and the atrocity of his innumerable sins great the rigour of divine justice and that all the creatures have little or rather no strength to help him in his misery it is not possible but that hence there must arise a compunction of mind grief for sins committed and for the offence given to god despair concerning himself and other creatures and finally that anxious desire o wretched man that i am who shall deliver me to the soul trembling in this matter jesus the most merciful saviour discovers himself with all the abundance of his grace and glory which he spontaneously and freely offers to all who desire it nor does he offer it only but also gently invites and in a pathetic manner requests them to embrace it and in the meantime penetrating the inward parts by the secret efficacy of his spirit he with a gentle power allures the mind together with the will hence it is that the soul surrounded with the lustre of this celestial light and so allured with all its might receiveth jesus for its saviour and by this reception ratifies this inestimable gift and renders it irrevocable 
this is the faith of god's elect the praises of which is so often commended in the holy scripture and since it consists in receiving christ it is evident that when we accept of him by faith then only he is ours not simply in right but also in possession in accepting him we likewise accept and by accepting make all that righteousness which he fulfilled for us our own which in the secret counsel of god was of old indeed put to our account but in reality is offered to possession in effectual calling and is possessed with saving benefit after it is accepted by faith further as soon as the righteousness of christ is made ours by faith we are justified on its account that is god declares with a particular appropriation to our persons that now we have passed from a state of wrath into a state of favour and that whereas we were lately enemies now we are reconciled to him and made friends and shall hereafter enjoy his saving favour this is the order of application taught both by holy scripture and by the evidence of the thing itself hence it follows that an elect person before his regeneration while he gives himself up to luxury lasciviousness and all ungodly lusts is in the way of perdition and destruction and in his sins appears before god as odious abominable most deserving of all his wrath and curse and it is impossible for him to escape impending wrath if he continue with obstinacy to go on in the way of wickedness truly it is much safer and far more candid by sober speech to infuse these doctrines and such as these into a man however certainly elected that by the terror of the lord he may be excited to faith than to fill him with a persuasion that provided he be elected god has no more to impute to him though he live ever so wickedly than if he were already received into heaven accurately speaking such an elect person is in reality in a condemned state not only in the court of his own conscience but also in the court of god to which that of conscience should never be contrary then only is he absolved from damnation as to his person when he begins to be in christ not according to the foreknowledge of god but in actual union by the spirit till that time he was under the law of sin and death then he begins to be under the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus romans eight one and two this is the perpetual and the constant doctrine of the scriptures from which we must not depart no not in the form of words End of chapter five